Amen. What a wonderful meeting that will be. Thank you for being with us this Sunday morning. Grab your hymn book, stand to your feet. We're glad to see you now. Brother Ken's going to come lead us. Let's all stand together. Brother Ken. Amen. In your blue songbook this morning, page 244, Amazing Grace. We'll sing all four verses this morning. Page number 44 today. in my Bible study Sunday school class, we took about 30 minutes just in the morning just to specifically thank God for some blessings upon our lives. And a lot of tears were shed, a lot of things were shared downstairs. And I'll remind us, folks, we don't have to wait till Thanksgiving to be thankful. Amen. Let's open up in a word of prayer this morning, asking the Lord to meet with us. Josh, take us to the throne of grace. Uh, you pray for us this morning, Josh. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today, Lord. We just want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning, Lord. We don't take it for granted that these doors are open each and every week, God. We just thank you so much for that. Lord, I just want to thank you so much this morning for my salvation, God. I just thank you for dying on that cross for me, Lord. And Lord, just 
that is something we could never thank you enough for and we don't deserve it lord and we just thank you so much for that and god during this thanksgiving season we just can never never be thankful enough for the many blessings that you give us lord and that you bestow upon us each and every day even the simple things in life and god i just thank you so much for a pastor lord that just follows you in every step of the way lord just thank you for sending him our way, Lord, just to deliver the message that you have for us each and every Sunday. And God, I pray once again that you'll be with him this morning, Lord, and I pray that you'll just give us the words that we need to hear, Lord. Prepare our hearts and minds, uh, Lord, that we'll be receptive of what you've got for us this morning. God, I pray that the choir will be a blessing this morning. I pray that we'll that the songs will begin to prepare our hearts, Lord. And, and Lord, I just thank you so much for all that you do once again. And God, I pray that you'll be with the church today and the services that we have, Lord, and be with the drama practice this afternoon, God. And these things we ask in your name. Amen. Be seated this morning. Man, I sure love this song. Love to hear Brother Bobby sing it. You listen now. Hallelujah to the Lamb. was told that he would come and the race he would run it would end on an old rugged cross but when they laid him in that tomb the power of the Lord went in the room and now he reigns forever Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah. 
told you last time we sung this, I'm kind of obsessed with this song. It's been three whole weeks since we sung it, so I just got to get it out of my system. I love, love, love the meaning behind this. I am reminded that even in our worst days, there is always a place for the child of God to go. You listen as the choir sings, he will hide me.
some quick announcements this morning. First of all, uh, I want to give you one that's not in your bulletin. I just want to say thank you so much, folks, for all the help that went into last Sunday's Civil Servant Sunday. I mentioned this downstairs in my Sunday school class. I am so grateful that you all backed that meeting and backed that event. I think it's one of the highlights of the year for us to pay a tribute to to uh, uh, the local law enforcement after the services last Sunday. I was downstairs, of course, fellowshipping with everyone as everyone else was, and uh, uh, the assistant sheriff, uh, Brother Eanes, came up to me. I think that's his title. Uh, and uh, he gave me a, a medal uh, for the church. It's the highest civilian uh, uh, um, gift given in our community, uh, and he said that they'd only given two in the last several years, and they wanted to bestow one upon our church as a thank you for what we do for them, and I appreciate, so, I think that deserves a little round of applause, folks. I appreciate you so much doing that. It speaks of valor and integrity, and I commend you for your efforts, and thank you so much for doing that this year, and that's going to be an annual event now, as we've said, uh, to continue to thank them. A reminder, right after services today, we will be serving lunch for the cast and crew of our, uh, of our Christmas production entitled The Truth, so cast and crew, uh, right after services, you'll head out to the teen room, uh, and we'll have lunch for you there. Our goal is to be back in here, cast and crew, at 1.30. Uh, there's always a few who opt not not to stay for lunch. You certainly don't have to do that, but please be back here at 1.30 as we will be getting started. And of course, services tonight will be canceled as we continue to practice. I promise you, you're absolutely going to love this. Uh, it is a spectacular production, really well done this year. So I encourage you to make plans to be here. The dates are, of course, in your bulletin on Friday and Saturday, the 14th and 15th at 7 o'clock, and then on Sunday, the 16th at 6 o'clock, as, as we do every year. Uh, Brother Darrell will be looking for some gentlemen that can help with parking lot duty. This is always a packed event, and so if you can help on one or more nights, if you would please see Brother Darrell, uh, we provide everything you need for that, but parking lot attendant is awfully critical for this production, so please help us out with that if you would. We've also given you the uh, holiday schedule there in the bulletin. Take note of that if you would, and a reminder that this coming Saturday is uh, the shower for Britta. Uh, she is due in just a few weeks that will take place at Stone Memorial Christian Church from 2 until 4 so keep that in mind if you would and then a reminder that even though our Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes have gone on uh, we are still collecting the uh, little medicine bottles that will be a year-round thing as we prepare for next year's uh, Operation Christmas Child event so again as always keep that in mind and then there are two things that I want to call to your attention I keep these in the bulletin but I don't always announce it if you are a, a regular attendee of our church and would like to receive our updates, be they prayer requests or cancellations or changes of schedule or anything like that, please uh, put your name and your cell phone number. I had a lot of folks ask this. If your home number is in there, folks, and you'd like to add your cell phone, you can do that, uh, and we will add that to the call services that contacts you. And then also note that for our online giving platform, we do, of course, tithes and offerings you can drop in the offering plate, but I awfully, I love, love, love this online platform, so if you want to take advantage of that, the instructions are in there. And then finally, there's a new event listed for Saturday, December the 8th, uh, a teen and young adult activity. Uh, they'll be doing lots of things. It begins at 5 o'clock, an ugly sweater contest. Gotta love it. Gingerbread house building competition. They'll be doing lots of things, uh, uh, doing some visitation of some shut-ins as well. So please, young adults uh, and teenagers, uh, mark your calendars for that. And then we've got a special announcement that we'll be delay, uh, providing to you about a new ministry regarding our young adults. We'll, we'll, we'll give 
you that in just a couple of weeks, but, but we're excited about what the Lord's doing in those areas. All right, fellas, make your No, sorry. Yes, fe- no, kids, sorry. Mm. I'm, I'm suffering from a turkey hangover. Amen. All the little ones heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, come on, make your way down this morning, if you would. If you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, come on, make your way down. If you're visiting, they're going to come around, collect any loose change you have. Take off, folks. Children's Church, Junior Church, come on this morning, straight in this direction. They'll meet you right over here. Our adults over there waiting for you. But uh, this one will be in the bulletin beginning next Sunday. On Sunday, December the 23rd, which is, of course, the Sunday before Christmas, uh, our church will be doing the baby shower for Courtney and for Cameron. They're having a little boy. Uh, That means they'll one day be able to still have money left. Amen. But they're having a little boy. so uh, I keep that. That'll be during the Sunday school hour. We'll do everybody downstairs as we typically do for our wedding, uh, for our uh, birthday. um, 
for the, uh, 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 what is it? Baby shower, thank you. See, let me explain to y'all what happened. I've been dieting for six months. Six months I've been dieting. I've had like zero carbs a day for six months. Thursday, I kind of threw caution to the wind and ate anything and everything. I've got this carbohydrate fog (laughs) that's still over my brain this morning. But uh, keep that in mind if you would. And then we are so glad to have two of our military boys with us this morning. We're honored by their presence. Stand up, Zach, and your lovely wife. Uh, Good to see them back with us this morning. Turn around and wave to everybody. I told Zach I was glad to see him, but I was even more glad to see his wife. He looked at me and said, whoa, preacher, what's that mean? I said, that means you're married, Bubba. Amen. And then, of course, Wesley and Summer. Stand up, guys. We're glad to see y'all. Thank you for being with us this morning. Love our military personnel. Thank you so much. Fellas, make your way down, if you would, this morning, please. Miss Connie, come get ready to sing for us. You be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings, and God will bless you for that. Thank you so much for that obedience. We're going to ask God's blessings upon the offering this morning. And Miss Connie's going to sing for us. Lord, we love you today, and we're glad to be in your house and so thankful for the opportunity that you've provided for us. Lord, thank you for your presence already in the song service. Lord, I pray that you would bless now this offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. Bless Sister Connie as she sings. We love you. Thank you for loving us now. In Christ's name, amen. is coming a day when no heartaches will come no more clouds in the sky and no more tears to dim the eye all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore what a day, glorious day, that will be. What a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see, and I look upon his face, the one who says,
have a time of fellowship. Page number 243.
Bibles this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, please. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. While you're turning there, uh, I'll give you a a little announcement. I don't usually do college promos by any means, but this one I'm going to make an exception for. Uh, This coming Thursday night, then Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoon, then the next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, the college will be presenting uh, a wonderful family-friendly musical, Annie. Most of you know that story, Uh, but the reason I'm sharing it with you is our own Haley Stone is in it. Raise your hand, Haley. She's going to be in it, so... uh, you keep that in mind and you'll be blessed. I watched part of it. It's a great little production if you're able to make your way out. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Thought about reading down in verse number 13 where it says, Meats for the belly and the belly for meats. But I figured we've already had enough of that. We'll actually begin at verse number 9, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse number 9. Message that I'm entitling simply back to basics. Back to basics. Notice what scripture says. Know you not that the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse number 11 is where we'll take our text. Such were some of you. If you write your Bible, circle, underline, star, put an exclamation point around that word, were. Such were some of you. And notice what Paul writes. But, but ye are washed, but you are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Can we read verse 13 one more time? Excuse me, verse 11 one more time. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Father, thank you, Lord, that our sins today are in the past tense. Lord, I am so thankful this morning that when Paul describes the Corinthian church member, even despite their problems, despite their trials, he describes them as such were some of you. Lord, we could never thank you enough for removing the penalty, the guilt, and the shame of our past. Lord, it is a blessing to be able to stand and say that we have a new name and it's written down in glory because of the blood of Jesus. Lord, as we go into the message this morning, I pray that you'd empower us to preach the outline that I believe you've laid upon our hearts. And Lord, that you'd use it to speak to the believer this morning. Lord, draw them closer to speak to the potential lost portion this morning. I pray that you would convict their hearts. And Lord, it is my humble desire that when we walk out of here, we would be celebrating the fact uh, that we are not what we ought to be, but thank God we're not what we used to be. Bless the preaching, Howard. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning in Sunday school, I did a very different kind of lesson, one, frankly, that I'd never done before. I gave out some sheets of paper. I was very transparent with the class, told them where the lesson came from. It came from a devotion that I had read this past week related to Thanksgiving and asked them to be very specific regarding some things that they were thankful for. 
And one of the things that kept coming out over and over by table and table, person after person, uh, was the thankfulness of being forgiven of the past mistakes. Forgiven from failures that we had committed in yesterday. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you're like me, most of us uh, have done some things in our past that we wish we could forget. But we can celebrate the fact that God has already forgotten. There are some things this morning that are basic necessities of life. Things that you just need to know. Things like how to put gas in your car. Things like how to dress yourself and prepare food to eat. Things like tying your shoes Things like, like uh, red means stop, and green means go, and yellow means pedal to the metal. Amen. <laughs> Things that are the basic, absolute necessities of life. Things that every person has to understand in order to care for himself or herself. In these three simple verses, Paul provides the Corinthian church with some spiritual matters that every person needs to know. In fact, I'm going to submit to you that you should know these things so well that there is no confusion in your mind whatsoever about them. These matters, in fact, in my opinion, might be some of the most important lessons for you ever to know or ever to consider. For it is your understanding of these simple three things that we'll look at that determine where you will spend eternity. Would you amen me this morning? Your question of eternity is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make in your life. So I submit to you this morning, we are going to very deliberately and very succinctly go back to what I'm calling the basics. Back to the basic understanding of what we need to know, what we need to understand as believers. I'll give you three things that Paul describes in these three verses. Number one, you need to remember, you need to know, you need to understand uh, where God brought you from. You need to remember, you need to know, you need to understand, and I'll put it another way. You don't ever need to forget where you were when God found you. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not someone who revels in sins of the past. I listen to some people every once in a while, and it seems to almost be they're bragging on their sins of their past. I submit to you, I don't want us to brag about our sins, but I don't want us to forget where we were when God found us. In fact, if you're like me, verse number 9 is very clear because it describes our wretched condition. Look at the opening clause there in verse number 9. Paul writes, Know ye not that the un righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul describes the individual who does not know the Lord as unrighteous. I think if you've been saved for any length of time, you probably already know this, but I'll remind you that the word unrighteous simply means not right with God. It simply means, as it says in Romans 8, 7, that we were his enemies. As it says in Isaiah 59, 2, uh, that we were separated from him by our sins. Uh, and is reminded in Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 3 uh, that we were cut off from God by the sins of our life. I think you'll understand why I say this and what I mean by I, what, when, when I mention this. Uh, before you got saved, uh, child of God, you were destined for hell. Hell is not a popular subject. We don't like to preach on it. People don't like to hear about it. But listen to me carefully. If there is a heaven, there must also be a hell. 
And prior to salvation, our destiny was not with God. Our eternal home was not paradise. We were headed for a devil's hell. And I submit to you this morning that it does us good to remember that when God found us, there was nothing that he should desire amongst us. Our wretched condition. Not only did we have a wretched condition, Paul pulls no punches in the next two verses. The last part of verse 9 and all of verse 10. He describes what I'm going to call wicked conditions. The word unrighteous describes our wretched condition. Verses 9 and 10 give our wicked condition. And I'm going to break these, this, this list into three chunks, if you will. He talks about uh, sexual immorality. He talks about spiritual immorality. He talks about social immorality. And I guarantee you, if you read that list through there, uh, every single one of us will find ourselves somewhere in that list. And if you're like me, multiple somewheres. You read the list of characteristics that describe the unjust, the unrighteous. uh, And every single one of us will find ourselves in that list somewhere. What does that matter, preacher? It is a reminder to me, and I hope you get me what I'm about to say. There is no sin that you've committed that God can't save you out of. There is nowhere you've been that the blood, yeah, man, that the blood of the cross won't reach down and grab you out of. There is no pit too deep. There is no hole too deep. There is no sin too vile. There is nothing that you've done that God will not forgive you for. Spiritual right unrighteousness, sexual unrighteousness, social unrighteousness. The list goes on and on and on and on. I'm reminded, as Isaiah 51 says, Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit where you were digged. Can I paraphrase it? It's a reminder to us uh, that when we think about our past, uh, be reminded of the hole we were in when God found us, uh, and how he, out of the grace and goodness of his heart, set us on a rock to stay. We don't brag about our past. We don't brag about our sin. But it does us good to remember where we were when God found us. Number one, you need to remember where you've been. Number two, you need to recall who you are now. You need to recall who you are now. I've already alluded to it, but go to verse number 11. I have to tell you, this is one of my favorite clauses in all of Scripture. Such were some of you. Such were some of you. Why is that so powerful? Why is that so important? Because it's past tense. Paul doesn't say such are some of you. He says such were some of you. Downstairs this morning, and oftentimes on Wednesday nights, When we're taking prayer requests, uh, we will have people thanking God for the sins he saved them out of. Heard it downstairs this morning. The challenges, the circumstances, the trials, the tribulations, uh, the sins uh, that we found ourselves in. But God saved us anyway. The places, uh, the disappointments, the despairs, the despondencies, uh, how bad we really were. But God saved us anyway. Such were some of you. What does that imply? Listen to me carefully. It implies that we've had a change in position. There's been a positional change. I'm going to give you the simplest illustration that I know how. Prior to your salvation, you were in Adam. That's what Ephesians talks about. That's what Corinthians talks about. Adam typifying the lost, typifying the unsaved. You were in Adam. 
When God saves you, he takes you out of Adam, changes your position, and places you in Christ. You were once in Adam, lost on your way to hell. Now you're in Christ, saved and on your way to heaven. What did you do to deserve it? Absolutely nothing. Not one solitary thing. You've been changed. You've been justified. Your position has been changed. He sees you now not as a lost person, but as a saved person. Hear me. He sees you now not what you've done, but what Jesus Christ did for you. He sees you now not where you were, but where you are. Not for the sins of your past, present, or future, but he sees you through the lens of his son. He sees you as perfect in his sight. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. Look at me. I love my kids, but I know they ain't perfect. Don't look at me cross-eyed. Yours ain't either. Now, don't misunderstand me. I know your grandkids is perfect. Yeah, man. But the kids are not. My daddy told me the other day that, that, that grandchildren are God's reward to you for not killing your children. It yeah, man. You've heard me tell this story. My mom used to tell me all the time, if she'd have known how wonderful the grandchildren were, she'd have started with them. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but You see, understanding, folks, as much as we love our children, they're not perfect. We don't see them as perfect. We know their sins. We know their mistakes. Let me blow your mind. God does not see our sins. He sees us as perfect. He sees us as sinless. Why? He sees us through the lens of the blood of Christ. So many times, the enemy loves to... Tap me on the shoulder and remind me of my failures. Remind me of my sins. Remind me of my past. And I find myself asking God to forgive me all over again. And it's then I'm reminded, just as the songwriter says, God looks over at me and says, what are you talking about? I don't even recall the... That's how I know God ain't Baptist. Because Baptists, we forgive, but we don't ever... But God says, what sins are you talking about? They're gone, forgiven, forgotten forever. Amen. We've had a positional change. We were in Adam, and now we're in Christ. We were headed for hell, and now we're headed for heaven. It's positional. Not only have we had a positional change, but we've had a powerful change. Look at the next clause of verse number 11. Such were some of you. Notice the next clause. Read it with me. One, two, three. But ye are washed. Would you please look this way? This has nothing to do with that baptismal font. Amen. How does this happen? How do we go from Adam to Christ? How do we get forgiven? How do we go from headed to hell to headed? You'll notice all the bad I'm pointing over to Brother Ken's seat. Amen. <laughs> Just the right thing to do. <laughs> how, do we, how do we go from headed to hell to headed to heaven? How do we go from lost to saved? Listen to what I'm about to say. It has nothing to do with the cross and everything to do with what happened at the cross. 
It is not the two wooden beams that were put together. It was what happened at the cross that became our powerful change. I am not saved by the cross, but I am saved by what happened at the cross. You see, on the cross of Calvary, the sins that I committed, amen, were transferred to Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ's righteousness was transformed to me. That's why God had to turn his back. Because God cannot look upon sin. So the moment that sinfulness was transferred to Jesus Christ, God turned away from his son. But at that moment, the possibility of my salvation and your salvation became real. Why? Because at that moment of salvation, everything is different. What happens? Well, we just read it. He washed us. He cleans us up. He cleans us up. Let me, let me say something that may rock your world a little bit. I'm a big believer, big, big believer in church. But your church membership don't worry Satan one little bit. I'm a big, big believer in faithfulness to God's house. But your faithfulness don't worry Satan one little iota. I'm a big believer in being baptized. I believe every born-again child of God should follow the Lord in believer's baptism. But hear me what I'm about to say. If you're dirty when you go in, you're going to be dirty when you come out. It's not your church attendance. It's not your name on the roll. It's not your Sunday school attendance. It's not how many verses you memorized. It's not how faithful you are. The one thing that tears the devil's nerve up is this. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Isaac Newton said it like this, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me, once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. He washed us. Not with water. That which is born of waters of water, flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is born again. Nicodemus a brilliant man, by all accounts, could not understand that. He looked at Jesus in John chapter 3 and said, What? How can a man go into his mother's womb again? And Jesus said, I'm paraphrasing, you're missing the boat, Nicodemus. That which is born of flesh or water, but that which is born of the Spirit is transformed. He washed us. But it gets better. Not only did he wash us, he also claims us. He claims us. Look, if you would, at the next clause of verse 11. Such were some of you, you are washed. Read the next clause with me, one, two, three. But ye are sanctified. Sanctified. God claims us for his own. If you are like me, as much as you love your children, there are times when you just assume not claim them as your own. Amen. I remember one time years ago, we were at a mall at Christmas time. My son in particular was cutting himself a little shine. I was 
I, have, I, had no, I had no fears, challenges, problems whatsoever in pli- applying a little bit of a board of education to the seat of learning. Amen. And some of you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. You'll understand it. <laughs> but at that particular moment, it was not a possibility. And so there were people gathered around us. My son was cutting an absolute shine. In the back of my mind, what I thought is, I am going to kill you. Don't look at me cross-eyed. If you've ever been a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But instead, I just looked over at him and said, little boy, where's your mom and daddy? (laughs) Amen. Why? Because he was embarrassing me. He was embarrassing his mother. Of course, we picked and played a little bit, got him calmed down, and everything was well. But in that instant, uh, you understand what I'm about to say? I I did not want to claim him. But would you look at me? Despite our failures, God claims us. That's what that word sanctified means. It means set aside for something special. It means touched or identified for something very, very specific and very important. Let me give you an illustration that I hope will make sense to you. Most of you probably have in your home some everyday dinnerware. Things that you use every day. At my house, it's paper. You know why? Because they had washed so easy. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Brenda. The rest of you who turned up your nose get real. Amen. You have dinnerware that you use every day. You don't get too upset if that dinnerware gets nicks and cracks and scratches on it. That's what it's used for. But you might have some china or you might have some special dinnerware that you keep set aside for special occasions. That china or that dinnerware or that stuff you set aside, it is sanctified for something special. Look at me, church. We're God's china. Amen sanctified, set aside for something special. Hey, that ought to help you remember things you ought not to do. Why? Because you're special in God's eye. What we do and don't do, where we go and don't go, what we wear and don't wear, what we eat and don't eat, what we do and do, do do. All those things matter because we're special in God's eyes. Washed us. Claimed us. But not only that, look at the third clause, if you would. Same verse. Verse 12. Verse 11, excuse me. Such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified. And let me read the next clause. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So God cleans us. He washes us. God changes, claims us. He sanctifies us. But God also completes us when he justifies us. When he justifies us. You see, the word justified or justification, it speaks of our standing before God. Let me say that again. It speaks of our standing before God. You see, justification is complex yet simple. It simply means to render one what one ought to be. To render one what one ought to be or to declare a person to be in right standing. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Again, I told you at the beginning of the message not to forget about your past. 
Your past reminds us there is no reason for us to be justified. Your past reminds us uh, that the guilt, uh, the shame, the wickedness of how bad we once were uh, reminds us uh, that there is no way, no shape, no how that God should justify us. That's why it's called amazing grace. So when we get saved, not only does God positionally remove us out of Adam and place us in Christ, but in order to place us in Christ, he has to determine, he has to order, he has to mandate, he has to declare that we are justified in his eyes. So that means, hear me, that when God looks at us, he sees his son. When God looks at us, he doesn't see the black lens of our past. When God looks at us, he doesn't see the black sins of what we've committed. The blood is the only thing that is red that can be applied to black that makes everything white. Isaiah put it like this, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be like wool. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole, or we might say justified again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Number one, remember where you were when God found you. Number two, remember who you are today. I gave you a message several months ago. It was all about my mother's simple little words. Every time I would leave the house, she would say two words, be smart. Be smart. It was a reminder to me, don't do anything stupid. Remember who you belong to. Remember who your family is. Don't do anything that's going to bring shame and reproach upon us, son. Be smart. Sometimes think, if we realize who we are, we have the same commandment, be smart. Remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. Remember what God did for you. Remember where you were. Remember who you are. And remember where you're going. Remember where you're going. Look at the last clause, if you would. We're going to read it together. Verse 11 says, But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. What does that get us? Please turn with me to Revelation, please. Chapter number 21 quickly this morning. Revelation chapter number 21. Revelation chapter number 21 is a beautiful reminder of all that will be in heaven. Who will be in heaven? But just as importantly, who won't and what won't be in heaven? You know this, but it bears repeating. The lost will perish and spend eternity in hell. But the righteous will inherit the kingdom of God. I'm not going to read all of chapter 21, but I want to read just a little bit of it to you. Begin with me at verse number 1. John on the Isle of Patmos writing says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of God, from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. 
I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He shall dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Why? There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. You keep reading all the way down through chapter 21, and you discover all the incredible things that'll be in heaven. You read about the street of gold, one. You read about the gates, you read about the pearl. You read about the 12 foundations. You read about the sun, S-O-N, who is the sun, S-U-N. There's no more need of light. And everything you read about, uh, everything I read about, makes my heart want to go even more and more and more. But just as much as I enjoy reading about what will be there, I like reading about what won't be there. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the day when old Satan won't bother me anymore. I'm looking forward to the day where sin will be a thing of the past. I say it almost every Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to the day when the word cancer is eradicated from our vocabulary. I'm looking forward to the day when there'll be no more sin. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more parting. And it's all because of the child of God's faith in Jesus Christ. Remember. Where you were when God found you. Don't ever forget just how low he had to go to pull us out of sin. Remember where you are right now. And remember where God's got a place for you. I'll close this morning with the simple words that Jesus gave to his disciples in the last few hours before his death. He's trying to prepare them for what will be some difficult and tumultuous days ahead. John chapter 14, he said, Behold, I go, prepare you a place that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, that way, that word simply means where, whither I go, you know, and the way. Thomas gets a lot of flack for daring to question, but I'm glad he did. Because I think what Thomas asks is the very same thing that most of us would ask and we'd be too afraid to say. Thomas saying to him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. We don't know where you're going. And if we don't know where you're going, how can we know how to get there? Lord, we know not whither thou goest. Jesus saith unto him, verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen to what I'm about to say. If Jesus were the only thing there, it'd be worth going. But honey, I don't need to tell you, he ain't the only thing there. He's the center of it all. But my, 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 remember where you were, who you are, and where you're going. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Back to basics. Sometimes it's good to be reminded of the basics of our faith. Sinner, 
lost and on my way to hell till Jesus found me. Heads about and eyes closed this morning. Nobody's looking. I'm going to ask you just a couple of very simple questions. If you're here today, you know that you know that you know that you know where you're going is heaven. And you just want to thank God. Would you mind just slipping that? I'm not even looking. Just put your hand up. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me, saving me. You can put it down. Now I want to ask you a second question. Is there anybody here this morning who could not raise your hand? Because you're not 100% sure where you're going. You're not 100% sure that heaven will be your home when you die. And you'd like me to pray for you. Would you just casually slip that hand up? I'm not going to embarrass, but I'm just going to pray right now. Anybody not sure of that? Anyone? And let me ask you a simple third question. You don't need to raise your hand, but I encourage you right now to hear me. Lord, I, I've heard the message this morning, and I realize there's more work that I need to be doing until God calls me home. I don't want to throw in the towel until God takes me out of here. I want to encourage you just to step out right now. Come on, meet me at this altar. I'm the first one hitting the altar this morning. Come on, would you come this morning? It'll get crowded. We've got room. Come on, make your way all over. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, all over. Thank you, come on. Brother Ken, get sing us a verse. Just a verse. Sing for us, Brother Ken. Jesus paid it all.
so many ways but Lord 42 years of being saved you've never failed me a single time thank you God for being so good Lord thank you for the presence of the Spirit of God in our church this morning Lord as we dismiss in just a moment I pray that you'd keep us safe Lord bless the practice that will happen all day here today as we prepare to deliver this Christmas card to our community Lord, I pray that you'd bless the meal that the cast and crew are about to partake of. And thank you for the support of our church for this important annual ministry. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And everybody said, Amen. Fellowship with each other. You're dismissed this morning. Thank you for being here. <laughs>